I want to just go over a few announcements. <laughs> Some things coming up and uh, in our lovely bulletins that we still actually do. It has all the information along with our website and all that good stuff. But I um, want to point out a few things. Number one, um, believe it or not, uh, July is coming again. Same time as last year. Fireworks booth is happening. Um, and you might be thinking, how are we this many people going to man a booth for seven days, right? Yeah. Okay, you got seven days for now. Um, and we'll work you down from there. Um, so we're going to partner with City Walk Church. City Walk Church is a, a new church in town. Um, they rent our facilities. Uh, actually, the, the old cry room is uh, Pastor Chris's office. He uh, rents that. And then he, they also rent our building here every other Wednesday, the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. And their youth group comes here and does their youth nights. So um, as of right now, we're going to partner with their youth and adult team to do the fireworks booth, and we're going to split the proceeds with them. And so as they come and do most of the man hours and helping us uh, cover the sales, we're uh, going to do some man hours too, but we're going to also do all the back-end work. So we're teaming up. So we need your help. Uh, Sign-ups will be coming out soon. I think um, Darlene, working with Darlene and Mark again, thank God for the moons who help make that possible. Um, so if you want to sign up for a shift, uh, that would be awesome as well. I don't think their church can cover every single shift, so we'll definitely do that. And of course, the last day or two of the, uh, the third and the fourth, extra help is needed. So if you're free on the third or the fourth, <clears throat> want to come in and help. Um, just not free, come help. Yeah, even if you're really busy, um, <laughs> come in anyway. But we, we would like your help because it's really, it, it's a lot of work those last few days, but that's when we make most of the profit on the booth is the last two days. And then if you don't want to sell, that's fine. You can come and just talk to people, hand out waters, talk about church, you know, get people saved, pray for healing, whatever you want. Um, so join us there. And then I wanted to point out too, um, on the back of the bulletins, if you don't have it, that's fine. We do still do our monthly budget updates. And I think that's important that the size of our church, uh, we need to make sure that everyone is understanding where we are financially, because the expectation is that if this is your home church, that you're helping out, supporting it financially. That's kind of works that way. I, you know, if you have kids, you understand where I'm at. You know, you have kids and they get to that age where they have to start paying for stuff themselves and they don't understand that, you know, life costs money and, you know, and, and rent, there's rent and it's just not rent when you move out to an apartment. You know, there's other bills like, you know, electricity and, you know, food, some of those basic things you don't... Exactly. And so everyone at the rivers needs to contribute. Let me say that in a more blunt way. If this is your church, you need to help financially. I, you don't have to call it the tithe. You can call it whatever you want. But if we don't all participate and carry the load, it is not fair in any way that some of us give and some don't. So whatever category you're in, that's fine. Get in the right category, okay? Because God wants you helping out, period. The Bible says clearly in multiple places that we need to share the burden, that each one in the church is to carry their own load, right? So everyone needs to carry. I'm not going to get technical and say, well, you better tithe, and it's 10%, and it's all. I don't care. Give, give, and it will be given back to you. Amen. New Testament giving is giving with the heart, understanding the principle of sowing and reaping, okay? The law is not in, a, 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 the Old Testament law is not in effect in our giving now, but the New Testament law is, and there is a law in the New Testament. It says, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you don't, and Paul uses that exact analogy while talking about giving. So if you want to get a harvest, you need to plant seed. So if this is your church, my expectation, and I look at the giving statements, guys, I'm very involved in the financial stuff here, right? Me and Dee are pretty much the only people that actually come and do anything on that area. So we see everyone's giving. If that bothers you, too bad. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. One person, they were kind of frustrated, you know, hey, you sh the pastor doesn't need to look. I said, really? The pastor shouldn't know about giving, huh? Well, yeah, that's, well, I said, so do you, do you think the pastor should, if your kid is uh, messing with drugs and needs real help and you want me to go visit, is that my business? Well, yeah, you better go. If, if, you're, if you're sick and in the hospital and you want prayer, is that my business? Well, yeah, come on. Okay, so that's my business, but then when we get to finances, it's not my business. No, 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 no. 
the whole thing's the business. It's all God's business. It's all his, he knows it all. And he's called pastors, teachers to equip the ministry, right? To equip saints for the ministry, to help you and grow you. I'm not here to tell you, you better do this and that. I'm telling you, this is what God says. It'd be real smart of you to get in line with what God's word says. You have the freedom. You don't have to give. You don't have to get in line with God. That's fine. But you have to suffer through the consequences of your choice of not being in an alignment with God. Isn't this the best announcement sermon you've ever heard? Yeah. All right. It just happened, you know, like, okay. Um, but I don't expect you to do anything I'm not doing. I give. Me and my wife give. And we give above and beyond what we should give. But that's not because the church needs it. That's because God told us what to do, and we're doing it. Regardless if this church was 2 million people, we would still be giving the same amount because God said do it, right? So it doesn't matter. The circumstances don't dictate what I believe and what I do. Circumstances also don't dictate my behavior and how I feel about myself or how my mood is, right? God's word and my relationship to Jesus Christ determines what I do and how I feel and how I act. Are you with me? So that's how we need to think. So um, in the giving, which was kind of cool, we, um, we, we only, it was our lowest month giving this year, which is not a good thing. However, we got rent from City Walk Church now that helps rent, so that helps a little bit. We also got a tithe reallocation from the district. Now, what that is, is we as a church give a percentage of the tithe that comes into our district. They help oversee us. They help us legally. They help us with all the many things that we need to do in today's church, which is great stuff. But what they're doing is they're giving some of that back to us. So when they give some of that back to us, that money has to be used for outreach and evangelism. So maybe buying coffee or doing an outreach or whatever, we use that to help grow the church, growing forward kind of thing. So um, our total actual income for uh, last month was 6,500, um, opposed to 3,900 that came in total from church people, right? So we as a whole group of people gave under 4,000. That is the lowest amount given by our body since I've been here. And so that's something we need to all focus and go, okay, everyone needs to help out. We all need to keep this going because I'm going to segue into, there's other great information here and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Men's camps coming up, men's breakfast, couples retreats, uh, soul sisters coming up, um, men's small group, water baptisms, June 2nd. You can check all that out. Um, please participate. It's good for you. But I want to read you something last night. That, um, so I finished my sermon during the week, and we had a birthday party down in the Bay Area. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Driving to the Bay Area. Anyone like driving to the Bay Area? Okay, you've all driven there, right? Is there anyone not driven to the Bay Area yet? Okay, good. So everyone kind of knows my pain. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, you understand. So, um, you know, what's interesting is that um, the... Uh, <laughs> The trip, well, it's Morgan Hill, which is south of San Jose, about 20 minutes or so. And so uh, Jen's brother lives in Morgan Hill. And so Liam having his number one birthday party, yay, family, right? So we drive, you know, three hours down. We don't even stay for three hours, and then we drive three hours back, you know, so we're, we're, it's, it's a busy day. And so I had finished my sermon early in the week, and I was going back, and I was like, oh, I better make sure, because I, I usually email it so it's safe and I don't lose it, and I print it up here. And so I sit down, and I'm like, all right, God, you know, any last-minute thoughts? <laughs> God, you got anything to say before I do? You know, I feel like, you know, you, know, you always stay open to the Holy Spirit, right? You know, even though you think you got it, and you get routine, and you get doing stuff, it's always good just to say, any changes, God? As I, you know, today when you wake up, God, any changes today? Lord, what do we need to do today? So I'm like, hey, God, you got anything? And, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. I was like, I hope he doesn't say nothing because I'm tired, and, you know, I could just rather go to bed right now. Um, I didn't do anything. I mean, I drove six hours and sat for three hours, had like a thousand steps on my stepper thing, which is embarrassing. But, uh, you know, um, I thought, man, uh, but I was tired. Everyone get tired driving. I don't know, something about driving. I just, and especially in the Bay Area, man, there's people, I mean, I'm going 80. Sorry, I, you know, some of you might be mad. I'm going eight, maybe a little faster at times, but that was just to get out of people's way, you know, because I hate when I'm driving in the fast lane and then there's a guy going like 60 and it's like, get over, man. This lane's fast, the middle lane's not as fast, and the right lane is slower and getting off. How hard is this, you know? But it's hard, you know, people zooming in and out in traffic and turns and all that stuff, and 
man, you get fatigued. And so I got home and I, all right, God, any changes? You know, what do you want to say? And, and as you know, some of you may know from what I say when I preach is that God's really been dealing with me on, um, for me personally and as a pastor, like, what is success to you, Doug? You know, what is really being a, a successful Christian? And for me, what's successful to me? And God's dealing with me in my journals. And when he speaks to me every morning, he says, this is, what, this is a lot of what he's been talking about. What does it mean to you to be successful in what you do? And, you know, in the last few months, seeing the... Can you turn the music off? I think the music's on in the background. I hear a little... It's kind of nice. I feel like I'm in a lounge, you know. <laughs> Hi, guys. I want to sing a little song. But, um, you know, you ever think of, uh, you know, it's just getting your, your alignment with God and, and you're, you, you want to be in, in step with Him. And so the Lord starts speaking. And I just... Can I read this to you? I just, you know, I just... And I, at first I thought it was for me because the Lord's been teaching me what is success. What, what does it mean to me? Because in the world right now, in churchdom, right, success means lots of people. So you've got to have a full house. You've got to have big budgets and a big staff and lots of events and entertainment and lights. That's, you do all that and oh, you can write a book and do, you can do conferences and make money. So, um, so, and that's the era I grew up in. I was born 1970. Wow. Yeah. Some of you are, you know, yeah, okay, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Still 49 and holding. But um, so in, in, in my grow up in all church, I've been in church my whole life, and I've all, that, that innate teaching has been built into me, whether subconsciously or uh, consciously, been built into me. This is what means for success. So God's taken me through this awesome time. Thank you, God. Oh, don't you love his lessons? Yeah. Some classes of God are good. Some are not so fun, right? This is, a, this is a not so fun one. And so, yeah, Doug, go to Yuba City and, you know, and then now it's like, what am I doing, God? I mean, because my mindset and my flesh and mind is all things wrapped around what is success to me? What makes me happy and what makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing? Right? So if you really dig down in your heart and find out, God, what is it that should really make me happy versus what does make me happy? Well, I'm finding through this lesson, class 101 million class that God's given me, is that there's some other, I'm, I'm looking at it wrong. I'm, and God's having to readjust my focus. And, and one of the reasons, and, and unfortunately, he uses your friends and family around you sometimes to teach you lessons, right? We all do that for each other. So when, if you stay focused on Jesus, you help the whole group. When you don't focus on Jesus and you start doing your own thing, you hurt the whole group. Not just the church group, but your family, friends, and church family too as well. Because we're all interconnected. We're all of the same body, right? So when, when Brad rejoices and got a new job, we all rejoice with Brad, right? Right? And so when someone's hurting, you know, then we gather around them. And so Diana, daughter's in, in the hospital right now. We're, we need to gather around you, weep with you, pray for you. Pray for that, right? Because we're all there, right? We've all been in places where we've needed that. So there's this connectivity in the body. And so my view has, has had to be stretched out of, Doug, what is success? Success is not how many people show up on a Sunday. So God's been taking me through this for months. And that's good, and it's healthy for me, and I'm learning. I'm stretching. God's growing my faith. And God's showing me really what a new season we're in. Because I've told you that the season, God said this to me clearly, the, the season of the church, the way you see it, is changing. In fact, a few years ago, it was declared, I believe, declared over, and now we're in the process of this transition into what God's calling his church to be, the real biblical church that God's called. And there's some stinking thinking that we have to get rid of out of our minds the way we view church and see it so that we get a healthy viewpoint of what God really wants. So he's been taking me through that. So when he first started talking to me, I thought, oh, this is just for me, right? This is, you know, God gives you downloads all the time, right? He's speaking to you. He's challenging your thinking because if he can get you to think right, he can get you to act right. And if he can get you to start acting right, then you start having produce and fruit in your life that actually helps others. Versus if you don't think right in the beginning, you're never able to help others, truly. You do little tidbits in here and, and lucky stuff, you know, just happenstance, but purposeful, life-changing uh, restoration and change in people's life and transformation comes from a person starting to think right 
and then they start act right because your actions are based out of your heart and what you think about life, what you think about yourself, what you think about God, what you think about others, what you think about your position in all that. Key. So when I first started hearing this, you know, I felt like God was just going to, you know, God gets it out and says, when I'm least ready for it, he's like, ready for a lesson? <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, it was great. And I said, yeah, Lord, you know, I'm, I've just learned to say yes. And I'm learning to get excited about that. Because, you know, sometimes in your trouble, you ever get your kids, oh, I'll go to my room. Or you, you get disciplined, right? But, man, if you can see how glorious discipline is from the Father, you would engage in it and go, yes, yes. I almost said spank me again, but that would sound weird. <laughs> you know, come on, God, keep the discipline coming. Keep the change coming. I want this. I want to grow. Because if we have that viewpoint on ourselves, that humility to say, no, I need to change. I need to get my thinking different about how I view certain things in life, whether it be friends, family, personally, myself, or God, and, and then how I fit in each of those dynamics. Wow, that could transform a person. And I believe that's why Jesus came is to change our thinking, to change the way we view, and that was partially getting us in alignment with the way that he thinks. Because if you think like God thinks, then you're going to be the true um, person you really are, the true vehicle you really are. The more an alignment you get with the creator, since he made you, he knows you, so the more and more you think like him, which gets you in alignment with how he made you and the purposes for you, you can start moving in the way that is most healthy for you, right? Are you with me? Okay. So he starts saying, hey, um, I have you, Doug, right here where I want you. And he says, well, here, tell the church this. I have you, Doug, and everyone in the rivers right where I want them. He said, don't be distracted with what is going on around you. But your focus should be on what is going on in your heart. So he said, get your focus off of the things, the circumstances, and the things happening in your life and thinking that those need to change, then it will be good. He said, get your eyes off that and look at, you should be more concerned about what's going on here in the heart. Not the mind, the heart. So, so check that out. So focus on your heart. If your eyes are on... Um, if your eyes are on who's here or not here, your eyes are focusing on the wrong thing. My ways are high above your ways and my thoughts are high above yours. You attending this church and being part of this body has nothing to do with who's here or how many of you are here. You should be coming for me because I have called you here. Do you not see the lesson I am showing you? I am doing a new thing in you. Get your eyes on me and focus on partnering with me to heal your brokenness and the wounds of your heart that you have left undone. One of the biggest mistakes and errors we can do as growing, transforming Christians is to act like everything's done and fixed and go on with wounds that are undealt with and think we're doing a good service to God, ourselves, and others. Because if you have undealt with wounds of the past, and your heart is not pure and right up before God, and healed, right? Now, don't, don't think just because you... There can be wounds from the past that you've asked God to forgive you for, or you've dealt with to a degree, but there's still that wound that has not been nurtured and you know, all prepped by God to completely heal. A lot of us going around walking with a wound. You ever had a wound that kind of never heals? It hurts until you get the proper stuff on there and ointment and the skin can prepare itself. It needs to be completely healed. He says that, uh, he says, come to my house with good motives. Put your eyes on me. If you are concerned about the number of people in this room, your eyes are not on me. I want you to think of that, not for Pastor Doug, but for you. Your person, your place in this church, God, I believe, said this to us. And he says it to you. If you're concerned, or if you think about it, or if it's on your mind about how many people are in this room, your eyes are not on me. 
And I have to admit, I'm, I was guilty and have been guilty of that, and God's corrected me many a times because my eyes got on, man, what, why, what's God, God, am I doing? I need to do something different. He's like, stop it. Stop. Be obedient to me. That's what I care about. You think I care about how big this church is? No, he says. So he's, I care about your heart. I want your heart to be whole because if your heart's whole, then you can really be a vessel for me. If your heart longs for larger crowds, your eyes are not on me. Are you, if you're concerned with how attending this church makes you feel, your eyes are not on me. If you think this church is losing, your eyes are not on me. Since when have I ever needed a large number of anything to do my will? The best thing you can do for me is to get your eyes on me. And I will start healing your heart in the deep places and reconstructing your foundation so that it is strong. I will make you like me and you look like me and I will give life to the dead parts and in turn, you will revive others. Look to me so that I can fill you, heal you, love you, and flow through you. Be my vessel. Get your eyes on me. So, you know, the Lord spoke that in my heart, and I was like, wow. Um, I don't know where you're at. I don't know the thoughts that run through your head every week that you're here, and when you're not here, or, and whenever you think about the rivers or your home church or whatever, but I hope that would encourage you that God is, is more about healing your heart and getting you to, to a place to breathe life to others than he cares about what, you know, God's going to take care of the bills. And, 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 if, and if he doesn't, then, you know, we'll, at, at some point we'll say, okay, all right, say bye to the building. No big deal. Um, you know, God's faithful. God just, uh, uh, just for your information, brought in uh, the Spanish church that used to rent over here, right? So when we first started having issues here financially, like, hey, we, we're not making enough, we reached out to the Spanish church, but they were in a great place. They were rent, renting somewhere else and great price, all that stuff. Well, I got a call this last week saying, hey, could we still rent your church? And they do church on Sunday nights and, and some during the week. And so God, God's going to do what he's going to do. Like our focus shouldn't be on, oh my gosh, we can't do this. Or, oh my gosh, so-and-so is here. Or they're not here. Or we're this size or that. Stop it. And I'm telling myself this too. You stop it. Me stop it. Come focus on Jesus. Be here with the pure motives of, why am I coming here? Why do I gather with, non, with believers? Why do I gather with my Christian folks? Is it to be part of a, a, just a few non-believers in the back? Did you catch that? I know you did. I can always count on you to catch stuff. I love you. Um, we're gathering here with mostly believers. I hope everyone's a believer. And if not, we'll give you an opportunity at the end to get saved. Um, but as we, why are we gathering here? What is the purpose? Because I would say to you, and I would challenge each of you to check your heart. Check your heart. Not here. Here. Spirit, your spirit man's here, okay? It says it flows, the river flows out of the spirit of God into your life. So sometimes we want to think rationally and logically about why things are happening. But when we, when we deal with rationalism and logic, when we're dealing with God, you're you're going to miss a whole lot, right? Because his ways are, we don't need, his math is different. His whole logical system is different. It's his, he's the foundation. We think, oh, rationalism has killed the church. So don't come to church with that. Come to church with, God, why am I coming here? And isn't it really about being spiritually encouraged and exhorted? And even the Bible says training. And isn't it about practicing our love for each other and gifts. Isn't it about the Holy Spirit working through us to encourage, heal, help, whole, so that we can go do likewise, right? We're not just coming here to fulfill a checkbox that says, I went to church, now God is happy with me, therefore I can go back home, watch Netflix for 73 hours, and still I'm going to be okay. Are you, are you with me? No, we come to church. So why do we come? Do we come here, you know, does it, and, and see, it can reverse too, because you can come to a church that's 20, 30 people and go, oh, it's small, and then have problems with that, you know. Or 
You could go to a church of 2,000 thinking it's all great, but you could actually have more spiritual problems in that group than you could in this group. Not all the time, but are you, are you with me? Because our mindset says, oh, this church has all this. It is doing the right thing. Think about that, church. Doing the right thing based on numbers, based on crowds. When has that worked in the Bible? Let's see. What was the vote to go into Canaan? Well, I mean, if the whole crowd, if there was a big group that said, we can't do it. We're scared. They're too big. Was God happy with that? No, he wasn't. So the crowd and majority doesn't mean you're doing what is right or even doing it the right way, right? Same goes for Jesus. Very popular guy on Palm Sunday. And then all of a sudden, the crowd votes and says, crucify him, crucify him, kill him, kill him. So just because the whole crowd is believing and thinks something does not mean it's the right thing or in alignment with God. We think, let's take 10,000 troops to go defeat an army. God says, yeah, let's have some fun. Why don't half of you go home? Yeah, still too many. Want the other half to drink this way and some drink that? You pull out and let's just take a couple in. Like God's always about that because he's trying to... We don't put our trust in Psalms. We just read it in our reading plan. Remember? We don't put trust in horses and chariots. But we put our hope in God. He's our hope. Amen? Amen. All right. So that probably is good enough. But um, I do want to go over a few things. So put up the Church Rivers thing with the... So get your notes out um, if you can. Um, if you don't like notes, you know, just be a good student. And I only give you note paper so that it helps you remember. If you don't want to do it, I'm not going to point you out. And, but, you know, it's, it's for you if you want it. So I want to review really quickly because today I want to discuss um, declaring war. Okay? Uh, I'm going to use a quote later, but I'm reading a cool book. Anyone heard of Levi Lesko? He's on the radio. He's a, he's a pastor guy, uh, has a book um, out right now and reading it. And I read a really good quote in there, and I'm going to give it to you later because um, I want you to, and I'm, I want you to leave with one thing today, and that is, what are you going to declare war on today before you leave? And we're going to get to that in a second. But before we do that, I want to review uh, who we are because a lot of times if we don't remember who we are, we forget who we are. We forget why we're here, we forget what we're doing. And you all know our, our, our church mission statement, right? Or what is it? I gave you a cheat sheet, yeah. Brad, did you know that? What is it, Brad, without looking? Good job. You're getting it. So to know him and to make him known. And we've talked about that. Does everyone feel really comfortable that's been here for a while to understand what that phrase means? Right, Because remember, one of the main parts we talked about, until you know him intimately and have a personal connection with him, which means meditation on his word, being still before the Lord on a regular basis, hearing God's voice speaking to you, making adjustments from that, worshiping him, knowing his voice, right? So that's part of knowing him. Until you get to a point where you're knowing God and feel like you know him, it's super hard to go make him known. Too many Christians skip A and go right to B. Too many Christians don't know Jesus to the depth and level they want, and so they skip that because it's hard work and discipline, and they jump right over and try to be Christian in their own and say, yeah, I love Jesus, come to church with me. And then look what you get. You have churches where because you don't know Christ and you jump over and you're trying to be a Christian because you're performing for God, right? Because you don't really know him, so you, you didn't understand that performance is all, all at the cross, and Jesus performed, and you don't, you don't have to do it anymore. So instead of really knowing him, you start trying to be a Christian without knowing him, and then you go, hey, come to my church. Uh, we're going to have a carnival. Okay, yeah. We're going to have a taco truck. Come to our church. We're going to have a helicopter bring 30,000 eggs and drop for your kids. We're gonna, we have lasers. We have smoke. We'll dim the lights. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Are you, are you with me? And I know I'm, I'm being very critical, but rightfully so, because Jesus, I believe, would be saying very similar things. Jesus didn't, see, he saw right through the hypocrisy of how they did church back then. And I, by the Holy Spirit, I, I'm seeing that a lot of this way we do church now is because we lack the knowledge of him, the deep 
personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have that first, you can never jump to the next. You can, but then you have ill effects of what really God wants. So that's key, knowing him and making him known. And then the cycle that we go through, and that I want you to start getting in your head, we've talked about this a little, but is the first one there is discovering God. So as we get to know him personally, we make him known, we're about discovering God individually for ourselves, right? Knowing him, experiencing God, um, uh, experiencing his presence, right? We want to know God. We discover him personally, but then after we have that, our next cycle would be discovering God, helping other people discover God, right? So you not only are discovering God, who he is in your own life, but as you do that and you move into the next phase, you're helping other people. So you have this circle event of a clockwork, right? You discover God, you get to know who he is yourself, then and then and only then are you ready to help other people discover him because that's how it works, right? And the second one is empowering people. Once you discover God, you certainly have to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have to be empowered to start changing, transforming, right? You have to start getting trained and disciplined in in your walk with God. You have to learn about God. You have to grow in the relationship, and you start empowering people to do that. Well, then you help other people do that, which the empowering part is also helping them get out of bondage, right? Helping them get out of chains and shackles that hold them from their own life because people... People don't get saved, and then all of a sudden, all their problems are gone. Is anyone all free of problems? And a lot of people think, well, what do you, what do you talk about deliverance and fighting for so, you know, so much? Well, think about it. Which Christian do you know that got saved and everything was just peachy king? Nobody. So obviously, we have to spend a lot of time. If we're really going to make God known, we have to know how to help someone get out of the old life into the new and the processes of getting rid of all the hurts and healing the heart and getting rid of all the junk that they have. So some of the things, this is in your notes, but some of the things I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks, because I'm going to spend some time on this. I decided that, you know what? Um, If this is God's church and he's going to do what he wants, I'm going to obey him completely. There's been a few areas where I've been a little lenient, and I thought, well, I might as well just get rid of everyone else. (laughs) I might as as well just preach stuff that that just makes everyone so mad that we're either going to have a church or not. You know, I mean, we got rid of a lot. Remember the last time I did this? Remember last September? I said, hey... Let's just checkmate who you are. If you want to be here, this is what our church is about. If you want to stay, great. If you want to go, we love you. No hard feelings. There's great churches in town. You know what I've discovered? That I've been here longer and I'm starting to know more people. There's some awesome churches in this town. There's some great churches. They're great. I I mean, and we got a great genre of churches. I mean, we got everything from Frozen Chosen, Holy Rollers, (laughs) every, I mean, we got it all. We got the ones that want to be like, you know, Bethel. We got the ones that want to be like Furtick. And we want to, we got churches that are Baptist. And we got churches that are, you know, no, I better not say that. You know, we got a bunch of churches. We got a bunch of churches that operate. And I believe each one of them in their own unique way are helping people step to the kingdom. And I think that's wonderful. But what we're not going to do here is we're not going to try and be them. And we're not going to try and copy someone out here in the, the uh, internet thing and, and, and podcast thing, and we're not going to follow a, a band that we have to be, you know. No, we're going to get in the Bible, and to the best of our ability, we're going to try and make our lives reflect what the Word says. We're going to help people like the Bible tells us to help them. And if that involves stuff that is over here, over here, 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 or whatever church, that's fine. We're going to do what the Bible says and help people, but church, if we're going to truly empower people, we have to get their chains off. We have to heal broken hearts. We have to be willing to pay the price to go dig down deep in a past wound and heal it. Are you with me? That is not easy or fun stuff, but it's completely doable through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's completely what God wants by design of his very nature. God's very nature is a healer, a restorer. He's all about, I mean, it's the whole gospel story, if you, had to, if you had to sum it up in one word, it would be restoration. I mean, honestly, right? I mean, we started in the garden, screwed up, had it perfect, and then here we are. But Jesus came and said, no, I'm going to restore. Now he came, did his work, and now we have the opportunity and the options now to, to get in alignment with God and bring restoration to our personal lives and get to who we really are 
Too many of us have settled and made this, the dysfunctional thinking in our lives and in our families as us. And we've got to separate from that. We've got to understand who it is and who it's not. And we'll get to that in a second. So empowering people. And the last one's fulfilling destinies. And this just really completes the cycle. Fulfilling destinies is getting people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, right? Basically. Then part of that process, getting them out of darkness and light, takes healing, transformation, deliverance, the word, the spirit of God, all this working to get them to a place where they truly discover who they are. It's kind of like the Matrix. You've seen the Matrix movie, right? Where they're, they, they think they're in this reality, but it's all in their mind. And they, all of a sudden, one day he takes a pill and he opens up to the true reality. The true reality that all these humans, if you haven't seen it, you know, a vast majority of humans all hooked up to their brains. And their, all their brains were into the Matrix. And they were living life in this Matrix, in this computer fantasy world, thinking it was real. And the whole time they were all in things, just living their life in a subconscious thing, but it's a actually beautiful picture of how most people are living today. People are living their lives, going after money and sex and drugs and doing all the worldly things they can to try and bring satisfaction and fill the void in their heart, and they're doing all that to try, and they don't realize And when Jesus comes in their life, and then all of a sudden, whoa, there's a whole new reality. There's a, there's a whole new purpose for me. There, I was born for something. I was born with purpose, and I was born with a destiny. God put part of himself in me, and now if you discover that you're of God, and God's spirit lives in you, and you have part of his life in you, and he wants to give you everything you can to be who he designed you to be, to fit perfectly in the puzzle of your life. God has a place for you in it, and as you find that destiny, that's why I want to be a part of a church that helps people get from that crappy situation to a fulfilling a destiny situation so that they can discover truly who they are and be part of the kingdom in, in their life and start blessing other people to get closer. Are you with me? And that only comes as we do this together, but we understand who we're serving and the fact that we have to declare war against hell. We've got to declare war against anything and everything that will hold us back and keep us back from being all that God's designed us to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let's move forward. So I want to ask you a question. What kind of church do you want? Just think about it. I mean, it can be rhetorical, but you can just be, I mean, you can, yeah. What kind of church do you really want? Just think in your mind, like, what do I want to be a part of? Because I told Jen, you know, I said, babe, we're never going to pastor a church that we don't even want to attend, right? Yeah. I, I want to be in a church that I would attend. And, and part of it, I struggle, guys. I don't want, I, my flesh got in the way, and I didn't want to be a part of a small, dinky church. And so what did God do? <laughs> he put me in, and then he knew my personality, so I, he knew I'd drive half of them away, right? <laughs> so here I am in an exact church where my flesh, but God's, it's beautiful though. I praise God. I wouldn't change it for the world because he's showing me how valuable his way of looking at church is versus what mine was. And it wasn't about how many, it's about what this group right here is doing with their hearts. What are you doing with your heart? Is it on hold? Have you swept stuff under the carpet? Have you ignored past wounds? Are you just trying to move out without dealing with these issues? I don't know. But it's about us getting to a healthy part of dealing with our hearts so that our hearts are whole. There's nothing holding us back. Yeah. During worship, I had a picture, um, and God was just showing me our spirit, and then he was showing our, my heart that's right above that spirit, and because our heart filters stuff, and you know, he talks about planting the word in the good soil of your heart. So there's the, the heart has to do with soil receiving. And, and in that heart surface, that, that soil, we can plant whatever we want in there. And so a thought comes in our minds or we think things and it's in our mind and we, deal, we think about it and we think, oh, I either believe that or not. So we go down and we go, I believe that. Okay, let's take that plant and that seed and let's plant it in my heart because I believe it. But the problem is, is you can believe lies and be planting lies in your heart. And so your heart can be full of, of, of dysfunctional thinking and perspective. And so you, you can't see things the way God wants you to see them. And that's why I'm saying we need to tend our garden, guys. And that, that's what church is to me. I want to be a part of a church that says, hey, are we going to be a church that cares more about the external things of church? I mean, we ought to be good stewards. I get it. You know, we're, 
Dale, she's on council. We're, we're very aware of our financial situations, we've got, but we've got reserves, we're okay. We need everyone to, to jump in and help out, but we're, we're okay, we're not, we're not sinking, right? There's a few leaks, but we're not sinking. But I'm telling you, I want to be a part of church that cares more about getting each other's heart whole so that we can expand and be who we're called to be than about having a bunch of events and a taco truck and, and all that. Is that stuff cool? Yeah, that's cool. If it's on the other side of that. If the other come first, if you and me's heart comes first, then, you know, let's have fun. I'm about fun. I want fun, but not at the expense of dealing with heart issues. Not at the expense of being surfacey so that I'm trying to make all these non-Christian people that come in or halfway Christians or people that think they're Christians and really aren't. I don't want them coming in here and going, oh, okay, I better be careful. You know, Chris, don't be, you know, don't do any, you know, just sing the song and, and don't do any of that free worship stuff or... And, and, and don't anyone break out in tongues because that's bad, right? Come on, let's, you know, let's not do any of that. Let's just be real good. And I won't talk about homosexuality or anything bad, right? And no hot topics, right? Because that's, you know, we, you know, are you with me? So I don't want to at the expense do that. So what kind of church do you want what, in your heart? Where, what do you want to be a part of? Because we can be a part of a, a, a church that's very much like it is today, except you're not going to get that here. Because God told me that I would be successful as a pastor, but not in the way church was done today. So if you want to have the church the way it's done today, don't come here. Because in a way, I'm like, as much as I want to try to be like today's church, it's going to fail. Just telling you. So if, that, if your heart's desires have big, flashy music, and, all, and I'm not against, I love music. I love having your guitar here today. I love Chris and Allison singing. Gary's okay. He's just an old guy trying his best. <laughs> Love you. I love Gary. I love music. I love the creativity of, of musicians and, I, and plays, and I love all that stuff, but I'm not going to put that above what really needs to take place. Amen. And that's right here on the altar of your heart. That's right here where your heart is pure and ready and open before God and being transformed and changed into who he wants you to be, right? We, can't, we don't have the time, guys, to take 20, 30 years for you to get your heart healed. We gotta, we gotta approach this as in a battle. It, you, you don't approach healing your heart. It's like, okay, y'all, whenever you're ready, God, do it. That's why there's a song, and we sing it here. Yeah, you know, He's fighting our battles, right? Okay, there's some truth, but there's some error there too, because we get that whole battle where we think, okay, I'll just sit on my couch and eat some chips, and God's gonna fight all my battles. No, 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 no. It's a partnership. He'll fight with you. And sometimes it'll feel like he's doing all the fighting because you're weak in some areas and that's good, but you're always partnering with God. He is doing this in a partnership with you to get free. So what kind of church do you want? Well, here's our options. First one, and you can put this up, put the cruise boat up. We could be a cruise boat church. This ship right here, I've been on this bad boy. This is the allure of the seas. I, we, me and Jen, you probably saw pictures. So this is the allure of the seas. Holds like 5,000 people. Go to the next cruise one. Check this out. Oh, yeah. The top thing there is a surfing flow rider. You can get on a surfboard and surf on the back. The pool in the bottom middle is a high diving show. People are diving from 80 feet doing all the cool things. It's pretty cool. I mean, they got a mall. It's a little golf course there. So a cruise ship. And so there's cruise ship churches. And I'm sure you can think of a few cruise ship churches. It's all about entertainment. You go on a cruise, you're getting entertained. And you're going to eat as much as you can until you explode. <laughs> and the problem with a cruise ship church, it's all about you. It's all about what you're giving me. Entertain me. I want to get good sermons, and I want you to feed me the word. And in fact, I'm, only, I'm relying fully on the cruise people to feed me. I don't know how to feed myself. I just show up to the table and order everything I can. That's the cruise mentality. Trust me. I've gained 15 pounds on a cruise in one week. I know. But not in church. People approach church like a cruise ship. They want to be entertained. They want to have a lots of fun events to do. Because events makes it fun, and people aren't going to want to go to church unless it's super-duper fun. Because that's how shallow and immature we all really are. So we could be a cruise boat. 
The second one is sad because of the atrocity of slavery in our country, but we could be a slave ship. And as, as horrible as, as slavery has been throughout the ages, the church has taken on some of that. You have churches where if you come and tell the pastor he's wrong, well, you'll go straight to hell. I'm serious. If you don't obey and if you don't line up with what they're saying and if you don't show up one Sunday, you're on the naughty list. I'm telling you, I, I'm, some churches operate where the, the pastor thinks they're God and then everyone better here. I had a lady um, that, just talking to you yesterday, she went to a church, she, she had a word from the Lord, gave the word to the person, they didn't receive it. She's like, that's okay, I just, this is what I felt like the Lord said. She left, the word happened, and she had been a while, she came back, and the, the pastor ran her up and down and was mad at her and telling her how wrong she was for leaving the church. And my heart broke, because I know both people. And I thought, and I, and I was, of course, preparing for the sermon, and I thought, man, that's a slave ship there. I mean, there's no freedom to be real with your pastor and to be like, you're not doing ministry for me. We're doing ministry for each other, for him. Like, we're on this as a team. This isn't a, I'm, I'm the head. No, we're all, we have different parts, and I might speak and teach. That might be my gifting, but we all have gifts, and we're all equally into this. This isn't a, this isn't a slave ship nor will it ever be. So that's the type of ships. We, there's two ships, cruise ship. It's all about fun. It's all about entertainment. It's all about feed me, feed me, feed me, right? The cruise people never get up and go, hey, person from Indonesia that's slaving on this ship, serving food for six months at a time, not seeing his family. Why don't you sit down and let me serve you? They don't do that, right? And there's some churches that there's people who walk in there and expect well, I gave a little offering. You better have everything ready for me. Where's my coffee? Where's my children's church stuff? They, he better have a bunch of, you know. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm telling you. And then thirdly, the church I want to be is like this guy. This is a rescue ship right here. This is a rescue ship. Coast Guard. They eat well. They work together in unity. And they save people's lives. They pull people out of the water from drowning, and they rescue and bring life back to them and help them get restored back into life. And church, to me, is going to be the most fun if we think with the mentality of we're a team, we're on a Coast Guard ship, and we're out here rescuing people because if we don't do it, they're going to die. They're going to have an eternity away from God. They're going to have an eternity without the presence of God, and they're going to live their whole life never discovering the truth of who they really are. But we, who have seen God's light, have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, can see who, what God's doing in us and go, this is for everybody. Don't you dare just focus on yourself. And never worry about anyone else because, no, we're to do that. We're to go, hey, this is great light. What did Jesus say? Be a light on a hill. Don't let you, don't cover it up. Shine your light before men. Tell everyone what you've discovered, right? That should be your whole purpose in life, really, is to live a life so that you shine and people say, what is the, what's, what's going on with you? So declaring war on a person that should be shining and saying, look, if you're not shining and you're not giving the message out to other people in your community that they want to be like you, you've got some heart work to do. If you're not drawing people to get saved, if you're not discipling anyone right now, if you're not in a relationship where you are in daily prayer, my buddy Greg has a prayer wall from the War Room movie, if you ever saw that, and he's got a prayer wall and him and his boys do it and they have stuff on the prayer, and he was telling me about a guy, he works, uh, he's a DJ at K-Earth 101 in LA, and he has a guy, a total atheist, that's one of his tech guys at work. He's like, man, I just, I don't know how to reach this guy. Um, we're, he's on our prayer wall. You know, I'm trying to get to know him. I'm gonna, I'm thinking about buying him tickets to a game. You know, he's trying to go, God, how do I reach this person? 
But you know what? You never get to that stage unless your heart's on a healthy, healed path. And Greg's been through some big-time healing in his life. I know, I've known him. Our moms were friends. He's a guy I knew since birth. We were born in the same hospital, the same month, the same year. We were friends our whole life. And he's been through a lot of healing, but he's a, he's a great guy. And now he's at the place where his heart's been healed to the point now, where now he's focusing on, I want to help others get in here. I, even in a secular radio station, he's ministering life into that, that place. And we need to get to the place where we are bringing in people and rescuing them from, from without to come within. You want to be a rescue boat? Sound good? I'm going to cut this short, but um, maybe we'll talk next week on that. The, the enemy within, um, I want to talk about going into Canaan because the, the story of Joshua going into the land of Canaan is the most beautiful picture of us walking in our inheritance and walking in what God has given us for our life here. But that would uh, take quite a bit of time. But I do want to close with this. I want to close like I told you with that um, quote from a book I'm reading. But before we do that, uh, if you go down your notes where it says, what is holding you back? Now, this is going to be personal for you. This is not something, obviously, you're not turning in. You keep this. And if you choose not to participate, you don't participate. But I would like you to spend just a minute or two, and maybe during this sermon you've been thinking of issues in your heart or, or what's holding you back from really reaching to the next level in your spiritual life. And, and guys, this could be, don't think of your common things. This could be very uncommon. This could be something that you have an old church wound from another church where you, you were hurt and talked about so bad that you've never really gone back and truly been able to deal with that and bring conclusion and healing and restoration and forgiveness to that. Um, this could be a place in your heart that you just can't see yourself as, as loved by God. Um, you can't see yourself spiritually or physically. Uh, you, you maybe look at yourself in the mirror and all kinds of crazy thoughts come to your mind. This may be something in your heart where you've been dealing with a, a chronic sickness or disease for so long that's, that's hindered you that you've accepted as it's just something you have. Or maybe there's a, a generational thing that your parents have had and your grandpa was an alcoholic, your dad is an alcoholic, and you, you struggle with alcohol or something like that. Um, you know, it could be a, a lot of things, but I want you to ask Holy Spirit because the Spirit of the Lord is present right now. He's present He's living in a lot of us, and he's going to speak to you if you'll listen. And so I want you to ask him, Holy Spirit, what's holding me back? What in my heart do you want me to deal with now? What do you want me to start declaring war on right now? Because as a Christian, you've got to have your heart on the mend if you're going to be any good for the battle for others. So I want you to take a few minutes write down, because this is something that I want you to maybe take home and pray on and think about, because too many of us, and if there's one thing I want you to get today, I want you to leave here recognizing a few things in your heart that are not you. Because too many of us say, well, it's my disease. It's, I'm just, I'm depressed all the time. It's, I'm, my depression is out of control. We use that pronoun, we say, my, it's it's mine, or, or you know what, I'm just a cynical person, or you know what, I just don't work well with these type of people, or I've always been like this, or, or my mom and dad, and my, my family's this way, and that's just a curse we have in our family, and we're just not going to do anything about it, or whatever. There, there's a myriad of things, but only the Holy Spirit who promised that he would guide you into all truth and help you heal, and help you, and be your paraclete, meaning the one that would come alongside you, and walk through you with God, and comfort you, and lead, lead you into all truth, and show you things to come, and help you become the person you were called to be, he will tell you, Darlene, there's something in your heart, and this is what I want to deal with. Mark, same, T, Gary, everyone I'm looking at, every one of us in this room has a place in our heart that we've either not dealt with, We've swept under the carpet. We've ignored. We thought got healed back, but for some reason it keeps surfacing up over time. And the Holy Spirit wants you to declare war. So listen to what Levi Lesko said about this concept of not making things.
things that you're fighting against part of you. He said, declaring war separates you from the problems that you can so easily mistake for permanent parts of your identity and distances you from your thoughts, your fears, and your anxieties. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. I want you to think about that. And this is in the concept of when you declare war on this, you separate it from yourself. Because if you accept it as part of you and there's nothing you can do about it, well, then there's no hope. You might as well just give up. But if there's something in your heart that God wants to rid you of, the way you think, the way you respond or react to people, the way you see things or whatever it is, it could be physically, emotionally, um, it could be spiritually, however that works. And, there's, I'm, and I, I'll tell you this right now, if you're in your, in your mind going, gosh, I don't have anything. I just, you know, my heart's so great. I want to meet with you after church and, and we'll dig down a little deep and see what's there. All of us guys are having issues from past wounds, um, past relationships. Um, we're going to get into the next several weeks of talking through soul ties. What is a soul tie? Generational curse the Bible talks about. The Bible talks a ton about vows, vows that we've made, internal um, vows that we've made in our, our minds where we made promises to ourselves to, oh, I'm never going to be like that. Oh, I'm that person, I'm never going to forgive that. All these things we're going to work through. But I want you to write down some stuff on those four lines what you want to work on, because today I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to challenge you to declare war today on the areas of your heart that you want to get whole and healthy and, and actually get rid of some stuff that's holding you back. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's the, you know a chronic thing or whatever. Does that make sense? So take a few minutes and just uh, think about that. Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would illuminate to us your voice so that we could hear you, that you would lead us into all truth right now. Lead us into truth. Show us where you want us to start working on in our hearts. Show us, God, where you want us to start today to declare war against the thing that is holding us back from being all that you've called us to be, Lord. Lord, help us to declare war on the things that are in our heart that are keeping us from being the rescuers that you've called us to be, God. Help us to see it, Lord. Point it out to us in Jesus' name. Illuminate right now anything that would hinder us. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, whatever capacity or whatever genre it's in, God, help us to see it, Lord, so that we can declare war and not take it on as part of us. We ask that in Jesus' mighty name. We ask that you would show us truth. And as your eyes are closed, I want you to listen to this again. Because I want you to understand what you're doing by declaring war. Declaring war separates you from the problems that you can so easily mistake for permanent parts of your identity. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. You are not the person who can, if you go back and you drink or you do drugs or you get, whatever the dysfunction may be, that's not you and I want you to declare war on that and separate yourself from that. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. Will you declare war today? Will you declare war today? It's up to you. But we need a church. I want to be a part of church where everyone that comes is in a warfare fighting to be who God's called them to be. Because you know what? You're the only one holding you back from what God has placed in your life. The enemy isn't holding you back. The enemy is trying to keep God back through you. Think about that, church. The enemy is working in your heart and mind area that you'll believe enough lies so that God can't shine forth from out of you. The enemy doesn't care about you. The enemy is deeply concerned with the Spirit of God and His glory shining out from you as a light on a hill. He is desperately scared of that. So you need to decide that you're going to declare war against every lie 
every deception of the enemy that's clouding your heart and holding back the glory of the Lord from shining out of you 100% so that you can walk in your destiny. That's the church I want to be a part of. I'm doing it. I'm seeking it. I'm pushing for everything that God has for me. And it is painful. It's hard work. But the payoff is enormous. And it's going to be even better when we get to heaven. And God rewards those who diligently seek him. Oh, what a beautiful day. But in the meantime, we get to rescue people. We get to bring life where there's no life. We get to bring hope where there's hopelessness. We get to bring healing where there's sickness. We get to bring wholeness where there's emotional sickness. And we have all that to do because of the Holy Spirit, God's power living in us. We now have the ability with his spirit to bring this type of life to the people in our lives and in this community if we'll do it. But it all starts today if you declare war. You have to declare war in order to start this journey. Father, we pray this all in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. At the bottom of your notes, the last three fill-ins are I declare war. If you didn't figure that out already, I declare war. And then you signing it is all for you. It's just for you to make a commitment and to say, nope, today on this date, I declared war. And so... In the months coming down the road, you'll be able to look back and remember and go, nope, on Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> I declared war. So we will ever celebrate with tacos and Mexican food on the day we started really, truly going, nope, I'm fighting for what God gave me. I'm fighting, listen to this church before you leave, I'm fighting for what Jesus died for. Think about that, church. Jesus died for your freedom and to help you get into your full destiny.